you're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Good morning on this wonder-filled Easter Sunday morning, and I want to say again to all of you how much you are missed by Jan and by me and how we look forward to the day when we can be together again face to face. As you know, and as I have often said, I'm not very good at working messages around a particular celebration, whether it's Christmas or Easter or any other religious holiday. So I guess I won't disappoint you this year because once again, this message is not specifically Easter, but it does focus on a scripture that happened in the garden But before we go on, I I want us to go to John chapter 6. Before we go to the passage that occurs in the garden, I want to go to John chapter 6. And as you're making your way there, I want to share a bit of background to this sermon. When my mind gets stuck on one topic for a week or more, I know that God is forming his message in me. That running message is not new to me, and I'm certainly uh, not the only one of, of many pastors, teachers, or believers that have had their minds on this topic. As a matter of fact, it is a frequent conversation. As I stated last week, I don't believe God caused this challenging time that we are in. Others certainly are welcome to other opinions. That just happens to be mine. Uh, But I do believe that he will use it for good in many ways. I'm constantly pursuing the clarity of that good when the news is still tragic and often heartbreaking. But I am confident by the nature of who God is that there is goodness to be found and it will only only take a spiritual eye and a spiritual ear to see and hear that goodness. One of those things that my mind is fixed on is the thought found in the stanza of a song that I'm going to ask you to just hit pause on this sermon and jump over to a link that uh, Sarah has included uh, for the song, The Battle Hymn of the Republic. And I'd like for you to listen to it now, if you, if you don't, that's fine. I'm just going to continue talking. But if you'll listen to it, I want you to listen in particular to the verse that Squire Parsons sings as a solo. Those lyrics, <clears throat> those words. Now, the song, if you'll listen to it, I believe will greatly change how you listen to the rest of this sermon. I believe it will so affect your heart, so affect your mind that what you gain out of all that I have yet to say, that it will actually change how you hear the rest of it. So I'm hoping that you will. I'm hoping that you'll take just a moment, go over to that, uh, to that song, listen to it, come back and resume the, the message. The song, The Battle Hymn of the Republic, is famously sung, proudly sung, 
But this particular verse, this is the one that gets my attention, and I've kind of been singing it through my head uh, all the time that this has been, this thought has been running through my head. Here's the, here's the verse. He has sounded forth a trumpet that shall never call retreat. He is sifting out the hearts of men before his judgment seat. Oh, be swift, my soul, to answer him. Be jubilant, my feet. Our God is marching on. There's the phrase. He is sifting out the hearts of men before the judgment seat. And the following line in the verse, Oh, be swift, my soul, to answer him. Be jubilant, my feet. Our God is marching on. I need to know that. I need with all faith to believe that. I see it. I trust it. I believe that it's true. I am absolutely convinced that God is sifting out the hearts of men, the faith of men and women, boys and girls of all ages, to see what manner of faith we truly carry in our hearts and in our minds. Again, I hear this often. I hear many pastors, many teachers, many friends talking about this very question. It's becoming very obvious. There's a lot that this difficult time is exposing. We know well, or we have heard often, of the different types of soil upon which the seed fell in Jesus' parables. There, there are those that the soil that is represented by the hard ground where seed falls and is easily picked up before there is any chance of fruit. There is the rocky ground that represents those who receive the word with joy but have no root. They believe for a while, but with testing they fail. And third, the thorny ground is about those who hear, but as they go their way uh, in their lives, their lives are choked by life's worries, by riches, by pleasures, by distraction, by disease, and they never reach maturity. The good soil is about those who hear and are of a strong heart and strong faith. They hear, retain, and by obedience produce an amazing crop. I'm not sure that this is an absolute representation of what he is sifting out in the hearts of man, but it is fairly close. Each of those soils represents where someone is that has heard the word, that has received the seed, has received a message, a truth, and each one represents what happened to that seed. In this difficulty, as in any difficulty, there's going to be a sifting. There's going to be a sifting that will make very clear where someone's heart is. Now, some of those who have rejected will hear now and receive. Some who have been, who have been lukewarm will become, will become more trusting and loving and faithful in their relationship with God. Others will fall away. Some who have seemed deep in their faith will go further in their faith. Some will 
go back. But this challenging time will create the sifting, the sorting of what sort of faith we carry in our hearts and we carry in our minds. In John chapter 6, where I ask you to go, we see such a sifting. This is a very long chapter, and I'd absolutely encourage you to read it all. It's worthy of your reading as soon as possible. However, I'm only going to focus on how or what Jesus said that created this sifting of the hearts of men. Now, again, this is an unusual passage, and you may wonder when you hear it, where is the sifting? But here, here I'm going to begin reading in verse 25, and as I break this up, I'll tell you on what verse I'll be going. John chapter 6, verse 25. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when comest thou here? And Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perishes, but for that meat which endures unto everlasting life, which the Son of God shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God that you believe on him whom he has sent. Verse 53. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoso eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him at the last day. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard this said, this is a hard saying, who can hear it? Verse 60, many, therefore, again, of his disciples, when they heard this, when they heard him say, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. They responded, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Verse 61, when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, does this offend you? What and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the spirit that quickens. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Verse 66, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. They said, then said Jesus unto the twelve, will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. So do you you hear what Jesus said? The challenge of his statement made some go back, disciples go back. Some, as Peter represented, said, where would we go? Where else can we go and hear these words that are eternal, words that are truth, words that are life, words that are spirit? There was a mighty sifting in that moment. 
it is not hard for us to see today that same sifting because you say something that somebody doesn't like, you say something that challenges what they have once believed, and you will see the parting of the ways. You will see the sifting of men's hearts, of women's hearts and minds upon the disagreement when something challenging or hard or difficult is taught. So if we have done a fair job of understanding that this sifting is occurring due to the recent events in our world today, we jump back to this present sifting, this present sorting out. So if we've done a pretty fair job understanding that this sifting that we're experiencing now is occurring due to the recent event, it's only an event, around the world, I want to talk briefly about why that sifting is occurring. An interesting item, or rather a snapshot of a page out of a book, was sent to me via text after I spoke a few weeks ago on being God's friend. It is from a book entitled Secrets of the Secret Place by Bob Sorger. This is generally what was in the item I was sent. Again, it was just taking a picture of a page, so don't know what was before it, and I don't know yet what was after it, but it, uh, a friend had sent and just had captured such a good paragraph. So this, I'm, part of this I'm going to read, part of it's going to be me, but, uh, and I'm not going to necessarily explain which one it is. These first words are what was written on the page. When we walk with God, listen to this, we enter the dimension where God unfolds the secrets of his kingdom. Let me read that again. When we walk with God, we enter the dimension where God unfolds the secrets of his kingdom. These are the paths that the ancients trod before us. Noah knew the secret of walking with God as did Abraham. Through Christ, we can explore, you can explore the glorious riches of knowing God like they did and to even a greater degree because of the spirit which has been given to us and which now lives in us. God wants, this is me, God wants to walk with us before he works through us. Again, I'm taking this, I'm paraphrasing now from that page. God wants to walk with us before he works through us. So he will wait to act until he finds the right man, the right woman, the right boy, the right girl through whom he can work. To put it bluntly, God works with and through his friends those who walk with him, who can discover that dimension where God unfolds the secrets of the kingdom. I don't care whether it's a big name or a small name, a well-known person or poorly known person, God's going to wait and watch for that person who will walk with him in the spirit, trust him, not be limited by denominational and other restrictions, but will find somebody that will truly walk with him and to them, he will reveal the dimensions, the secret dimensions of his kingdom. 
God wants to walk with us before he works through us. God knows his great work. He knows his great purpose. He knows his great plan. That which resides in the mind of God finds freedom to be fully exposed, fully expressed when he finds someone to walk with and that will walk with him. We saw this in the, in the life, in the example of Jesus. Here is a, a person, never less than God, but never more than man, who by choice chose, even younger, but particularly at his baptism forward, chose to walk in this relationship with his fully, in this relationship with his father. The father found someone who was fully obedient in his humanity. And it says in Hebrews chapter 1 then that Jesus was the expressed image of the Father. It's remarkable. He's teaching us, training us that we too can be the expressed image of the Father. He's simply wanting someone to find someone, some boy, some girl, some man or woman whose heart is perfect toward him and who will walk with him. He's searching today. His, the eyes of the Lord look to and fro across the face of the earth, looking, searching, pursuing those whose hearts are perfect toward him. A perfect heart is simply a heart that says, Father, I can't, but I know you can, so I will let you do what you do through me. He's searching for that heart. So back to the text. I'm, this is what was written. When God has a Noah, he can, he can release a flood. When God has a Joseph, he can give Pharaoh a divine dream. When God has a Moses, he can release a mighty deliverance from, from, for his people. When God has an Elijah, he can send fire from heaven. When God has a Samuel, he can test Saul's heart. And when God has a Jesus, he can save the world. God is sifting that he might find those that will walk with him through what is coming next. I think this makes this a remarkable moment. What if this sifting, this sorting, is in preparation for what's coming next so that he'll know the hearts of men who will never sound retreat. The hearts of women who will never surrender. God is sifting that he might find those that will walk with him through what is coming next. He is sifting to test the hearts of men who will at the trumpet sound Never sound retreat. He is sifting out the hearts of men and women who will answer the call when he announces, I died to make men holy who will now come with me by my spirit to live to set men free. Let me ask that question again. He is sifting out the hearts of men and women who will answer the call when he announces, 
I died to make men holy. Who will now come with me by my spirit to set men free? That last verse of that song. In the beauty of the lilies, Christ was born across the sea with glory in his bosom. That transfigures you. That transfigures me. It doesn't make me better. It makes me wholly and completely different. I am transformed. I am transfigured. I am not who I used to be. There's glory in his bosom. There's glory in his heart. Because now he who has that glory resides in me and I will be and am being transfigured. As he died to make men holy, let us die. I would prefer to say, let us live to make men free while God is marching on. Okay, enough with the introduction. We're finally through the introduction to the message. I want us to go to Matthew 26. If I read from this text, I think I can officially make this an Easter message. If I, if, if I go to the garden scene, I think I can call this an Easter message. Matthew 26, I'm going to begin reading in verse 38. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And when he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he comes unto the disciples and finds them asleep and says unto Peter, What, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time and praying, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. I need to clarify something here, if, if I can find the right words to say this. I think strangely <clears throat> that this is a sifting moment. If it was, we need to see it clearly. There was a hard moment to come, and there was, a, there was human sorrow in exceeding proportions. There was a question and a response. Now, I cannot for a moment believe that Jesus doubted his father. I simply cannot do it. I cannot believe that there was a doubt in the heart, in, in his heart, toward the father from this beloved son in whom the father was well pleased. There had been too many moments, 
<clears throat> three and a half years of ministry, the father proving himself moment by moment, moment by moment, moment by moment. But still there was this question. Still there was, there was this moment that gets recorded where Jesus asked this question. But I can't make him doubt his father. Now, some may say when I make this point that well, what is the difference? Well, I believe there's a huge difference, and I believe it's something we need to hear. We need to understand something about this particular sifting that occurred in the garden. Here's what was different. The challenge was greater than ever before. Jesus realizing, knowing as it's being revealed. Jesus in this moment recognizing the challenge was greater than anything he had humanly faced up to this point. There was going to be a personal price that was higher than any price he had had to pay. The physical uncertainty of how much this was going to hurt, it had to be very real to him in his humanity for him to confess to his disciples, my soul is exceeding sorrowful. Something is at work here. Why is this so important? Because by confession, by confession, by confession, from mouth to mouth to mouth, person to person to person, people are confessing, we've never faced anything like this before. We've never experienced something this deadly, this tragic before. We have no idea of a personal price we're going to have to pay, and we don't yet know how badly this might hurt. So I think we find ourselves in a similar place not of the same exact consequence, but yet a similar place. There's something very human, very personal what's going on here. And again, I think it is the same thing that the Father is sifting in us right now. So once again, I don't, I don't believe that Jesus doubted nor did he have a lack of faith in his father. It seems that he did have a question, though, about the means by which God was going to act and the price that he was to pay for this great plan. No doubt in the person of the father, but a question about the plan that the Father was going to use 
that raised the question. And again, I hope you can begin to see this difference. Because I, I hope it helps us understand what is he sorting out. Jesus' response in verse 42, it answers this ultimate question. When he says, if by your plan this cup cannot pass from me, this cup that holds the filth of the world from all generations, generations past, generations present, generations future, if this cup that holds the filth of the world from all those generations cannot pass from me except I drink it, there it is, thy will be done. The sifting of God's plan was over. I believe that by our, our faith-filled and truthful acknowledgement, we would say honestly, truthfully, we trust and have great faith in the Father as our Father and mean it. I believe that about most, about many. Yes, I trust God. Yes, I know he's good. Yes, I know he loves me. Yes, I know that he is greater than anything that's in the world. Yes, I know. Yes, I confess. Yes, I believe that. We would say we trust. And have great faith in the Father as our Father. So maybe he is not sifting out our faith in him as our Father. I think he is likely, likely excuse me, sifting out our faith in his plan. And the means by which he will do what his plan requires. Including the price we might be asked to pay in it. I don't think we're doubting the person of our Father. Now again, some may not be able to separate it, and I do admit it's a challenge because it's hard to separate the person from the plan, but I could easily say I hope my kids would trust me as their father, but they certainly may not always fully understand or trust what I'm doing on their behalf. Why is this so important? Because if we miss the point of his sifting, we may not actually understand the outcome of it either. I believe, I think he is likely sifting out our faith in his plan and the means by which he will do what his plan requires. Including the price we might be asked to pay in it. Because if we trust him, starting there as our father, and we add on top of that, and if we trust his plan, and we add on top of that, and if we trust the means by which he will fulfill that plan, 
then we can respond as Jesus did and once again cry out, Oh, be swift, my soul, to answer him. Be jubilant, my feet. Our God, our Father, in whom I place my trust, is marching on. Father, I pray that you will find us faithful to your plan, faithful to the means by which you execute that plan, how you use that which even we cause, how you use that which you execute, which comes from your specific plan to bring a world to redemption. Father, I pray that you would find our hearts, that you would find the hearts of men and women who will rest in you, who will abide in you, that by us you might be able to produce much and especially in this day. Father, let our hands be ready. Let our feet be swift. Let our mouths blast like trumpets the truth that you have revealed. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling. Father, you are trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. You have loosed the fateful lightning of this terrible swift sword. That day, Father, you promise will come. Your truth is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. So be it, Father. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Your truth is marching on. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I'm looking forward to the day when we can gather in this sanctuary and sing this song together, a call to arms, a call to all that you have planned. You have planned, Father, this transfer of leadership in this church from me to Parker. You planned it, Father. I thank you, Father, that you are finding us faithful to your plan and how you want to execute it. I pray, Father, that, that you will find hearts, minds, spirits ready for that new plan, for all that that means, all the new work, all the new things, all the new ways all the new means that you would find us faithful. There's, there's questions about us right here, right now, that makes this sifting necessary. There's things in our community. There's things in our area, in Hockley County and Lubbock. There's things in Texas and even things around the world that are causing the necessity of sifting. 
many that are personal and intimate. I pray, Father, not as a suggestion, but with a certainty in faith believing that you will find us faithful to your plan and the means by which you execute it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.